I live my life as I deem appropriate and fitting. I offer no apologies, no explanations. Aaron Burr. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and if you've been paying any attention lately to television or social media, besides the ongoing coronavirus election and protest news, you've noticed a surge in mentions of a particular historical figure. I'm talking, of course, about Alexander Hamilton, easily the most famous founding father who didn't end up becoming president. Now, the surge in Hamilton coverage is the result of Disney Plus releasing a film version of Lin-Manuel Miranda's runaway hit musical, Hamilton, which he loosely based on Ron Chernow's excellent biography from a few years ago. As you'd expect with any dramatic retelling of history, there are more than a few errors and myths in the play, though none, in my opinion, are intentionally revisionist. I watched the play with my kids, who actually got to see it performed on stage as well, and I enjoyed it. I especially like that it stoked interest in the Founding Fathers and early American history for a whole new generation. That said, I could easily do an episode or two or three about the myths that have grown up around Alexander Hamilton, including those presented in the musical, and I will at some point in the near future. However, today I want to tackle some myths about another character in the Hamilton play, a tragic figure who loomed large in the founding of our country, but today is remembered only as the man who killed Alexander Hamilton. Let's debunk some myths about Aaron Burr, the third vice president of the United States. Aaron Burr served honorably in the American Revolutionary War, became a lawyer, attorney general of New York, a U.S. senator, and very nearly was elected president in 1800, narrowly losing a tie-breaking vote in the House of Representatives to Thomas Jefferson and becoming his vice president. There was no reason to believe he would not continue his rise in American politics and history. Then he killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel in 1804, certainly the only time a sitting vice president killed a sitting secretary of the treasury, though likely not the only time one wanted to. He was then arrested on charges of treason in 1807 for attempts to lead invasions of Spanish Florida and Texas, as well as, allegedly, encouraging the secession of western parts of the United States, though there is some ongoing debate about how much of this was just trumped up by Jefferson because he didn't like Burr. And while acquitted of all charges, he ultimately left the United States for a time of exile before returning to labor in obscurity until his death in 1836. Those are the bare-bones facts of his biography from which the myths have sprung. Here are some of the biggest ones. Number one, Burr was intensely jealous of Hamilton and baited him continuously until Hamilton was forced into a duel he never wanted. First of all, Hamilton was no stranger to dueling. Being the hothead he was, he had been involved in no less than 10 previous duels that made it to the dueling grounds but were resolved before any shots were fired. This was fairly commonplace at the time. In fact, one of those duels was prevented by the intervention of Aaron Burr, 
no fan of dueling himself. While the two men had been friends early on, their friendship was broken when Burr defeated Hamilton's father-in-law in the race for U.S. Senate in New York in 1790. From that point forward, it was Hamilton who relentlessly disparaged Burr, in writing and in public. For more than 10 years, Hamilton denounced his former friend as corrupt, unprincipled, and recklessly ambitious, once calling him, quote, bankrupt beyond redemption, end quote. By 1804, things had gone beyond out of hand. On multiple occasions, Burr objected to things Hamilton said about him, and each time Hamilton apologized. But in June 1804, one month before the duel, Hamilton made comments that in essence called Burr a pervert. Burr was incensed, obviously, and demanded either a retraction or a duel. Hamilton chose the duel, most likely believing it would be settled bloodlessly like his previous ones. He was wrong. Another myth that has grown up around the cause of the duel, and one that is also presented in the Hamilton play, is that Burr blamed Hamilton for his loss of the presidency in 1800. Now, Hamilton did, in fact, argue for Jefferson's election, but it's unlikely he swayed more than a few votes, fewer than the number Jefferson ultimately won by. Plus, given that they had been at odds for 10 years and were members of opposing political parties, Hamilton's support of Jefferson would not have surprised Burr, let alone enraged him enough to throw away his still-promising political career a full four years later. It took being called a pervert to do that. Number two. Putting aside the duel and the long slide downward that ensued for Burr, another myth is that he was only ever out for himself and his own political gain. This is demonstrably untrue and could likely be said more accurately of Hamilton than Burr. Here are a few examples that debunked a lie. Burr opened the first bank in New York that extended credit to the middle class rather than just the rich ruling families. He defended the freedom of the press including taking up the cause of John Burke, a printer who was jailed and threatened with deportation for criticizing the federal government in Washington in print. Although he was, like many founding fathers, a slaveholder, when New York began debating a bill for gradual abolition of slavery in 1785, Burr argued instead for the immediate emancipation of all slaves. Finally, he battled the anti-immigrant bias of Hamilton's Federalist Party which claimed only those with English heritage could be true citizens. Taken in total, Burr looks far better before the duel than Hamilton, but Hamilton became a martyr while Burr became a pariah. Number three, let's wrap up our brief look at some myths about Aaron Burr with a funny one. For centuries, a rumor has circulated that Martin Van Buren, the eighth president of the United States, was Aaron Burr's illegitimate son. Now this is as laughable as a New York billionaire claiming the President of the United States was actually from Kenya. And like that one, it was concocted by Van Buren's political enemies in an era of American politics rivaled in its nastiness only by our current climate. The only supporting evidence, if you want to call it that, is that Burr was old enough to be Van Buren's father. He was 26 when Van Buren was born. Burr lived in New York at the time of Van Buren's birth in that same state. And Burr, who was a relentless womanizer, had most likely fathered at least a few children out of wedlock 
That's it. That's all the evidence there is. So that's a look at some myths about Aaron Burr. In the end, while he certainly cannot be placed among the greats of the time like Washington and Jefferson, he might have been had events gone differently. Now you can say that about almost anyone to be sure. But we should remember the real facts about Burr, especially as there seems to be no one to speak of his positive contributions today. Not that they can be heard over the songs blasting about Hamilton anyway. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.